You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he will be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace. By the blood of the cross, him we proclaim. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. Well, good to see some of you college students who have come home. Glad you're here. I have no work to do. Hopefully you get to eat and relax and chill. And so we got one that came home. We're excited, thankful for that. Next weekend, big football games. Not thankful for that because no one I care about is playing. But um, Thanksgiving holiday, as I was thinking about it, it's, just, it's one of those holidays um, that kind of gets the shaft a little bit. I mean, it kind of gets overlooked. I mean, so October starts and it's like everyone's talking Halloween. And everyone's either geeked out about Halloween or they're mad about Halloween, depending on who you are, right? And then as soon as Halloween's over, right, it's like, okay, it's Christmas time, woo! You know, and so, uh, you know, the music starts playing, there's, there's stores that are showing trees, and we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet. It used to be, you didn't even see a Christmas tree till after Thanksgiving. At the rate things are going, it's gonna be like, happy July 4th, Merry Christmas. You know, the river's playing Christmas carols. It's August. That's where we, it's just so, it, it just gets the shaft. There's no good Thanksgiving movies. I mean, you got Elf, you got Die Hard, great Christmas movies, you got all the, you know, horror films out of Halloween. Where's the Thanksgiving movies? Except for Hallmark, which doesn't count because they're all the same, okay? There's no Thanksgiving stores. You don't go in all, oh, it's a Thanksgiving store. You got your Christmas store, you got your Halloween store. It's, it's the overlooked holiday. It gets loft in the shuffle. It's Hey, it's Thanksgiving, have some turkey. Let's go to Best Buy, it's open, right? Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It's one of those things that if you're not careful, you can miss Thanksgiving. You can miss it. We've been in this series on the book of Colossians and this will be our last Sunday. We've spent 13 weeks thus far just unpacking this little letter. And the goal, and I hope you've been encouraged, and I hope some of you have gone through and, and memorized some of the verses and, and kind of reviewed in your community groups. The goal has not just been to understand the book. The, the goal has been to, to get this book into our heart, right? To really get our heart around this book. Uh, for, for kind of reminder, if you're visiting or new, uh, Paul is in prison during writing this letter. And he writes uh, to this group of people who live in a city he's never been to. He's never been at the church, he didn't plant the church, uh, but he's heard that some, some false teaching has kind of crept in, and these false teachers are saying that, that Jesus is, is like JV, he's junior varsity. Um, if you wanna be varsity, 
What you really need is you need to keep all the, the rules. And if you wanna be varsity and really love God, you gotta, you gotta have deep experiences with these mystical beings, these other beings other than Jesus. And you have to really get to the deeper secret knowledge. And they're, and they're inter, introducing all these kind of crazy Gnostic ideas. And so Paul sets out to write this letter, saying, no, Jesus is not JV. Jesus is central. And so in chapters one and two, I mean, it's just heavy who Jesus is, what he's done. He is the image of the invisible God. For by him, for him, through him are all things. He is before all things. and him, all things hold together. He is the one who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints' life. He is the one who forgave your debt. You were dead, he made you alive. You had a debt, he paid it. You had enemies, he defeated them. So all these things, and then he says, hold fast, therefore, to the head, to Jesus. That's chapters one and two. And then in three and four, he gets real practical. He says, therefore, since you've been raised with Christ, right, keep seeking the things above. And we talked about the theme of this book is him we proclaim. And so he highlights all these areas that you're supposed to be proclaiming him. In your homes, boom, you're supposed to model and follow Jesus. In your work, boom, you're supposed to model and follow Jesus. In your relationships with others in the church, boom, you model and follow Jesus. As you interact with the world and try to reach the world, you proclaim him. You cannot miss the message of this book if you just read through it. Him we proclaim. But there is something that you can miss if you're not careful. There, there is a, a sub-theme that is sprinkled throughout the book and I, and I don't want us to miss it like Thanksgiving, right? I don't want to, in light of Christmas, we miss another Advent next week, we miss. I don't want us to miss the Thanksgiving holiday that Paul constantly kind of drips this message through this little letter. And so we're gonna talk about that today because I don't want us to miss Thanksgiving, all right? Um, again, what we typically do if you're visiting, we work through books of the Bible. Today, we're gonna work through the book of the Bible quick. Right? We're gonna kinda just hit a bunch of different passages. But I wanna highlight, what is that, that sub-theme that Paul drips through this, this little letter? He's gonna mention it seven times in four chapters. What is that, that thing that's so easy to miss? But yet, this is one of those, those ways that we proclaim him, maybe one of the best ways as a follower of Jesus you can proclaim him and it's subtle and that you can miss it like Thanksgiving holiday. You know what it is? It's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. Seven times in this little letter, Paul is gonna say, be thankful. Thankfulness, thankfulness. He's constantly dripping this language. And, but I think we can miss it just like we miss Thanksgiving holiday if we don't pay attention and, and yet, this is one of the greatest ways, y'all. Not you doing a quiet time at Cutters. Not you with your King James Bible open at work. This is one of the greatest ways the people of God can proclaim him is in Thanksgiving. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at all seven instances very quickly. I'm just gonna make some observations. Right? I'm not unpacking each passage. We did that. We spent many weeks doing that. If you're like, well, you didn't talk about this. That's right, I didn't. I talked about it before, or Clint did. And so you wanna go listen to the podcast, go ahead. But what I wanna do is I just want, I don't want us to miss Thanksgiving. Right? And I don't want us to miss it in this book because it is a powerful way in which we proclaim him. So we're gonna, we're gonna fly. I'll put the verse that we're gonna look at on the screen. If you wanna follow along in your Bible, that's right, all right, highlight, whatever. But we're gonna move through. I just wanna make some observations for us. Hopefully encourage, maybe challenge uh, wherever we're at, all right? So let's, let's jump right in. 
First mention of thanksgiving is in verse, chapter one, verse three. Paul says, we always give, we always thank God, or we always give thanks to God. You can just stop right there, All right? Circle, if you're a circler or a highlighter or whatever, circle the word always. We always thank God. I think that's significant, right? Because thanksgiving for the people of God is not something that we do periodically. Here's what I want you to grasp right off the bat. Is thanksgiving is something that is constant. It is a regular part of who we are. It's, it's not just, okay, we do it once a year. It is the constant posture of someone who follows Jesus. And, and I've told you before that Paul was in prison when he's writing this, right? I don't know if you know how he got there. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you can read about it in the book of Acts. Here's the Cliff Notes version. Paul goes on three missionary journeys. At the end of his third missionary journey, uh, he's about to go back to Jerusalem. There's a guy that comes up to him and says, he prophesies over Paul and says, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to the Pope. The Pope are gonna be there. You're going to jail. And he says, I'm going to Jerusalem. So he goes to Jerusalem. He goes in the temple. He starts preaching about Jesus. The crowd stirs up. There's a big old riot. The Romans come in and they take Paul out and they're about to whip him, flog him. And he looks up and says, hey, is this legal for you to do to a Roman citizen? They're like, you're a Roman citizen? He says, I'm a Roman citizen. They say, no, it's not legal. So they don't. And then they do some investigation. They find out what's going on. Uh, Paul has a vision from God that he is going to go to Rome, which is where he wanted to go in the first place. So he realizing he's not gonna get a fair trial in Jerusalem with all the Jews there. He says, I appeal to Caesar, which was his right as a Roman citizen. They say to Caesar, you go. So they put him on a boat. He sinks a couple times and he, you know, all sorts of stuff happens. He finally makes it to Rome. This is the end of the book of Acts and he sits there in his house arrest for two years waiting for his accusers to show up from Jerusalem, which they probably never do, right? Here's what I want you to grasp in that. He's innocent. He hadn't done nothing wrong. He's in prison just because he's told people about Christ. And if anyone ever had a right or a reason to be grumpy and complain, it's Paul. All he's done is been obedient to Jesus and he's in prison on trumped up charges. He's completely innocent and yet here he is and he says, we're thankful. Are you kidding me? Right, are you kidding me? And I thought about it this week as we, as we think about thankfulness. I think what we do in our little Christian circles, especially in the Southeast, when we talk about thankfulness, it's always in light of what is going on in someone else's life, right? It's always almost a negative. It's, 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 the, it's the simple, well, you ought to be thankful because you could be like them, right? It's, it's, well, you have nicer this and you have better this and you have a better whatever and so you ought to be thankful. It's the, it's the parent talking to the kids about eating their broccoli. Well, the, you're just starving people that would love that broccoli, no, they wouldn't. No one likes broccoli. That's, that's a lie. But that, that's the idea. You ought to be thankful for that broccoli. It's a negative. And that's, that's not where Paul is modeling for us. He's actually thankful for people that have it better than him, not worse. Right? He's in prison, unfairly, and he is thanking God for their faith and their love and what he's hearing about them. They have it better than he does and he's saying, I'm thankful for that. That blows our, our little comparison deal out the water because we can always find someone who has it better than us and someone that has it worse than us, right? 
We could always do that if we're looking, but thankfulness is not about comparing, well, we have it better than them and we got to go to that school and we're thinner and we're, we have more money. That's not what it's about, right? Thankfulness for us is not just something we do, it's something that we are. It is the constant posture and orientation of our heart. This is why Paul in 1 Thessalonians says, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is the will of God. See, this is hard. This is hard. Because some of you, you know, you're on top of the world now. You found out Friday, I got into Georgia. Woo, I'm thankful. Somebody didn't. Some of you, uh, everything's going great in your marriage right now. Others of you, it's not. Some of you have lost people in the last year, two years, and it's broken your heart. See, if, we're, if, if it's all about comparing, then, it, then we're only thankful when things are good. Right? That's not the idea. I, I, and I, I realized this just in a simple way yesterday. And so yesterday around noon, my power went out. I'm thinking we keep power during a hurricane and, and, and we lose power when it's sunny in 65. I don't get that. But power goes out. So I get on georgiapower.com, uh, report now and whatever. Your power will be back on at two. I'm like, great, I'm gonna miss the Ohio State-Penn State game, fine, whatever. Okay, I get on at two, it's not on yet. Your power will be back on at five. All right, I see what you're doing there. You're just bumping it every three hours, all right. Power comes on at five o'clock, amen, hallelujah. We just got frozen pizzas, isn't that great? And then the power goes off at 5.05. I'm like, your power will be back on at eight o'clock. Oh, great, now I missed the second half of the Georgia game. And so I, you know, and it's getting dark at like three o'clock now, you know how it is. We got frozen pizzas. I can't cook them on the grill, although I was, I was tempted. Uh, so I'm like, what are we gonna do? I mean, I mean, it's first world problem. So I go, I go up the road because the trucks are all over the place and I go up the road and I drive 100 yards up the road and I'm mad because they have power at their house. I'm like, how is this fair, God? They have power, I don't. See, that's the comparison game. It starts making me ask questions. It's not fair, it's not this, it's not that. And as hard as it is to not do that, that's not the, the biblical model of thanksgiving. The biblical model of thanksgiving, and I think we'll talk about a little bit why or how we can do that, is that, that, that we are constantly thankful, right? We're regularly thankful. That's, that's what Paul is saying. And that is something that we have to cultivate. Doesn't happen naturally. What happens naturally is, I don't have power. I can't watch the Georgia game. Uh. That's what naturally happens. I don't have what they have. I, that's, that's the norm. I don't like broccoli. What we have to do is be a people who are regularly cultivating thankfulness. So here, here's, here's kind of an exercise. Here, here's what you have to do. Because if you just say, yeah, I wanna be thankful. I'm gonna be thankful this week. You won't do it. I mean, you'll do it for like a day. You'll do it at Thanksgiving when everyone's passing the stuff. Like, what are you thankful for this year? I'm thankful for my family. Thankful for my car. I mean, we just, we kind of superficially, this is, we're not talking about it. We're talking about thankful people. And so let me give you an exercise that I really want you to encourage you to do this week. That you would just take 15 minutes at some point this week. All right. Where you go and get alone with God and don't ask him for anything. That you would just thank him. And you'll find what you end up doing is you're gonna naturally drift, you're gonna say thank you for, thank you, thank you, and the next thing you know, you're gonna be asking, you're gonna be requesting. 
because we, that's the norm what we do. We go to God, thank you, God, you're such a good dad. Blah, 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 give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this, help me this, help me this. That's where we go. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. That's what he tells us to do. So I'm not saying, but for one time, see if for 15 minutes, you can just thank him for things. And I'm telling you, you will have a hard time because we're not used to it. We're used to, thank you, God, for this, give me this. And so just try to just thank God for things and you'll find one, I thanked him for my house, my car, and my family. What else do I thank him for? But he'll start making you think and then you'll have to drift to things outside of yourself, which is actually what Paul is doing here. He's not thanking God for himself, he's thanking God for others and that's a great way to cultivate thankfulness. So you can say, man, I'm thankful that my roommate's uh, get to go home this year. I'm thankful that my best friend's kid got into the college they want. And you start getting outside of yourself because we're so me-centered that this will actually help us be more thankful to identify God's grace in our life. And if you want a real challenge, start thanking God for things for people that you don't like. Your ex, your boss, right? You're the person, that your competitor, in business. You're like, I don't know if I can do that. Or some of you are gonna lie and say, well, I don't really have anybody I don't like, and you're just a liar, all right? So, but start thanking God for things in your enemy's life, and you, that is a way to really get outside of yourself, because a thankful people are not about me, 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 me. It'll be a challenge for some of you. I'm interested to hear if you can share these in your community groups, how that went, how long you made it before you're like, and God, help me to be, oh, crud, I asked for help. Right, see if you can do it, right? And then regularly come back to this. Constant, constant Thanksgiving. I don't want us to miss Thanksgiving, all right? Here's the next one. Jump down a few verses, verse 12. And this is in the context where Paul is saying, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, worthy of the Lord. We talked about this several weeks ago where it's balancing out the scales where God has given us so much and so we're not earning it back but we are living in light of it, right? Walking worthy of it, worthy of the calling. And he gives several things in that context uh, about increasing the knowledge of God, bearing fruit, being strengthened, all these things. But one of the things he says is that's walking worthy and balancing the scales is giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. One of the ways that we proclaim him, one of the ways that we balance out the scales is we give thanks to the Father. And, and really what he highlights here is, is there's thanksgiving for a new position or a new family. Again, what does he say? He has qualified you to share in the, in the inheritance of the saints of life. See, I think this is why Paul, in the middle of jail, in the middle of this chaos, is still able to be thankful. Because he, he's not just in tune with what's going on physically. There's a spiritual side, right? He says, he's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. Who gets an inheritance? The family, right? Family gets the inheritance. He says, he has qualified you. He, he has made you adequate. You weren't adequate. You weren't part of the family. But he has made you part of the family. And now you get to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. That's pretty big. So if, if this week... You get an email or a phone call and you, it's Bill Gates. And he's like, I wanna make you my heir. I wanna, I wanna give you everything that is mine. What are you gonna say to old Bill? You know, Bill, I appreciate that, but I'm more of a Mac guy. You know, I just don't, I'm not a PC guy. 
Right, is that what you're gonna say? You're gonna be like, Daddy, Father, Father Bill, I love you. Can I have a Tesla for Thanksgiving? Right? That's where you will be. Right? Because of of his wealth, of his riches. What, What Paul is saying here is, you have a spiritual inheritance, and it's a done deal. You have been qualified. It is, it, it, the Greek tense is an heiress, which is a completed action. It's seen as done. He has qualified you, Christian, to share in the inheritance of the saints' life. What's more valuable, old uh, Billy Gates or the kingdom of heaven? I mean, Billy Gates is nice, but, but that's, that's gonna run out. It's not gonna last. This is eternal. And what he is saying is, this is what God has given us. This is why the gospel, it's, it's good news. It is, it is a message of hope. It is a message of forgiveness. It is a message of love. This is what you have. And we're so, I think we're so temporary. Maybe it's because we have so much. So we get mad. Man, I got, they got leather seats and, they got butt warmers in their car. And I, my heat don't work, and I'm sitting on vinyl. Man, that ain't fair. They got granite countertops and nice this, and I'm sitting there with laminate. Old cabinets. Woe is me. Look how fit they are and how thin they are and how good their job is, and they love everything. And, and we were so temporary in so many things, and we don't realize Man, what has Christ done? He tells us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness. You were living in darkness. I read an article this week on this little city in Alaska. This week they saw the sun for the last time in 66 days. It's dark and for 66 days is when the sun comes up. And on that 67th day, it only comes up for like a, a second. It's like, oh, there was the sun. It goes down again. I'm like, who in the right mind lives there? People that hate life. In fact, this is a town where one of the things they do is they, do, they throw people up in the air on blankets and catch them. They're crazy. That's what they are. Because they don't see the sun for 66 days and that's the best thing they can do. Right? But they're living in darkness and it gets to be like 45 in July there and that's like a heat wave. That's miserable. He said, that's where we were. He says, but now you are in the kingdom of light. Your father was the devil. That's where, you, that's where you were. Now your father is God. Your brother is Christ. He transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. You were a slave to sin. He has bought you out. He has redeemed you, he says. You were guilty for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he has made you innocent. He has forgiven your sins. See, your greatest need is not to get married, is not to be healed, it's not a new job, it's not to get out of debt, it's not to, to not worry. That's not your greatest need. Your greatest need was the forgiveness of sins because sin leads to death and Jesus has met your greatest need. And even though, man, I'm not downplaying the suffering that some of you are going through. I am not at all because I get it. But Paul's able to say, I can deal with this because this is as bad as it gets. I mean, it can't, this is as bad as, this place right here is as bad as it gets. That's as good as it gets. I can deal with as bad as it gets because of what's coming, because of my new position. That's why the people of God 
are thankful people. And let me tell you, nothing proclaims Jesus more than when you can be in the middle of chaos and still have hope and still be thankful. That proclaims him. I don't want us to miss Thanksgiving. It's constant. We thank him for a new position. Next time he mentions Thanksgiving, verse six of chapter two. Therefore, as you receive Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, right? Uh, this is a great picture. And he says, just as you were taught, abounding, I love that word, abounding in loving and thanks kind and thanksgiving. It's a word that means to overflow. So if you're like me and you go to the, the, the Wendy's or the uh, gas station, you get you a, a fountain drink, you know, you get that 38,000 ounce Coke and you put that thing up there and what do you do? You fill it up until the fizz is kind of coming over and then you sip it and then what do you do? You go right back because you are going to get your $1.39 worth. And then you pick it out and you kind of carry it. I don't know why, I don't use lids. I'm not a lid guy, I don't know, it's something. So I'm, and I carry it carefully and I'm like, get away. Because if you bump me, this thing's spilling and then I gotta go back and fill it up again. Right? That's, that's the word for overflowing. It is so full that there's no room left. And if you get bumped, you spill out thanksgiving. That's the picture of what the believer is supposed to be. There's, when we get bumped, oh, sorry, we're just thankful. That's what he said here. And it's in the context, where it's, what's it connected to? It's connected to your, your walk. It's connected to your growth. Your maturation, your maturation in Jesus. And so the third thing I want you to see is Thanksgiving is growth. Not only is it a result of growth, it is a way in which you grow. You wanna grow spiritually? When you grow up? You wanna be rooted in him? Be thankful. Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving is not just some, this nice trait that Southern people have. It is a sin-conquering force. Here's why. Because if you're so full of thanksgiving, there's no room for anything else. See, if you, have, if you struggle with lust or covetousness or envy, if you're so full of thanksgiving, there ain't no room for lust. There's not room for ingratitude. There's not room for envy because I'm, I'm thankful, right? These, th- these two things are incompatible and thanksgiving is more powerful than lust. So if I'm thankful for what I have, I'm not lusting after what I can't have or what I shouldn't have. It is a way in which we combat sin and it's a way in which we grow. And you could apply this to every area, right? If, if you're a teenager and you're disrespectful to your parents, I mean, we don't have that in our church, but in other churches we have that, right? Teenagers, I mean, because you guys are so good. But instead of, man, my parents was on my back and you know, this and that and blah, Right? Instead of complaining and then lashing out and being disrespectful because your parents are on your back, you could replace that with, man, I know they're always on my back, but man, at least my parents care. I'm thankful that I have parents that care enough to ask me questions because guess what? There's a bunch that don't. And speaking of my back, I'm thankful for the clothes on my back which I didn't probably pay for. And by the way, the car that I get to drive or the team I get to play on. And see, you could start seeing what what you have instead of what you don't have. And so instead of being disrespectful, I can be 
thankful because it, it fights sin. This is what Joseph does. Remember the story of Joseph? We're gonna cover him in the spring. But Joseph is, is risen to power in uh, Egypt and he has uh, a boss who loves him and trusts him and his boss's wife starts hitting on him. He tries to grab him when the husband's out to sleep with him. And he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of my master has no concern about anything in the house. He has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. What Joseph is saying is his favor and how he's risen to uh, favor and power is because of God's favor on him. He's like, how, I'm so full and I'm so thankful for that. How could I do this such a thing? I can't. And so he flees, which ends up putting him back in jail. But that's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness shouldn't be named among you as is proper among the saints. There should be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. And notice what he says then. Instead, that's in place of, let there be thanksgiving. How do you fight immorality? Thanksgiving. How do you fight covetousness? Thanksgiving. You replace these things with thankfulness because it's a sin-conquering force. It is a, not only a sign of growth, it is the way we grow. It's the way we proclaim him. I don't want us to miss Thanksgiving. It is constant. It's for our new position. It causes us to grow. Next use in, in chapter three. And he kind of gives three in a row right here. You're gonna real quick bullet points, but 315. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful. This is connected to this, the portion where you're supposed to put off these things, put off malice and anger and, and all these things and put on, and one of the things you put on it's thankfulness, the peace of Christ. Notice it's linked to peace. Thanksgiving brings peace. Now we think of peace as the absence of conflict, which sometimes it is, but Jesus was the most peaceful. He was the prince of peace and there was constantly conflict. So it can't just be the absence of peace. It's not, it's not a, a absence of, of, a, of a storm. It's peace in the storm. And thankfulness is one of the ways we can have peace. And y'all, we need it. Some of y'all, you wrestle with anxiety and, and depression and worry, and you long for peace. One of the ways you can fight for peace is thankfulness, right? It's one of the best ways you can, you can fight for it. Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, then with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. So you fight anxiety, you lay anxiety at the feet of Christ, and then you replace it with thankfulness. That's the peace of Christ ruling in your heart. Because we got anxiety for all sorts of reasons, whether it's money, or you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses, or uh, you know, performance, all these things, social media. And the peace of Christ says, you don't have to perform, because Jesus performed for you. You don't have to be super mom. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to look perfect. You don't have to get straight A's. You don't have to be, have the perfect figure. You don't have to always be on your top of your game. You are accepted because what Christ has done. You are loved because what Christ has done. You are cherished because what Christ has done. He will never leave you and forsake you because what Christ has done. That's letting the peace of Christ 
rule. And you get it from just being thankful for those realities. And some of you need to remind yourself, you need to, in your 15 minutes this week, you need to remind yourself, I am cherished because of what Jesus, thank you that you've cherished me, Lord, because of what Christ has done. Thank you that you have not left me. Thank you that even though I fail, that you still are there. You need to remind yourself of the gospel. That's how you fight anxiety and worry and let the peace of Christ rule. Thanksgiving brings peace. It is constant. We thank for a new position. It causes us to grow. Verse 16, the word of Christ richly dwell in you or dwell in you richly. Remember, Clint unpacked this a couple weeks ago. The word of Christ is not necessarily the Bible. Oh, that would be a way of application. The word of Christ is the message of Christ. It's the gospel. It's Christ died for you and rose again so that you can have eternal life. That's, that's the, the message or the word of Christ. He says, let that dwell in you rich, deep, drink it in. The result is you're teaching, admonishing, you're encouraging, and you're singing. Singing psalms and hymns. And we could say a lot about this verse, but here's an observation. It's an important one too. Thanksgiving leads to singing. It just does. You show me a singing person and I'll show you a thankful person. Some of you yesterday, you were singing when Georgia finally closed out that game because you knew that was luck. Luck. You were thankful. Glory, glory to Georgia. You act like you beat them by 20. It was close, right? But you were thankful and so you sang. A thankful people are a singing people. And this is the way God's designed it. It's the way he's wired us. Because we're in the image of God, we are to sing. Because God sings. And, and this is one of the ways, singing is one of the ways that God has given us to connect this with this. And, and that's important. Some of you are all about the, you, you just want to be told, and your intellect, you want to talk about things, and, and you're, that's great. If this doesn't get connected to the heart, who cares? Because you're to love God with your whole mind and heart. And singing is one of those ways where we connect the two. And so I know some of y'all are like, I just wanna come for church for the sermon and I wanna get out of here. That's not what we do. The reason we give time after the, the preaching of the word is because it gives you time to sit in it, to marinate in it a little bit, to let God get it from here to here, which is really what we want. I don't care about here as much as here. Right? Because you can know all the facts about God, but the demons believe in God and shudder. And so we want to get it here. And singing is one of the mechanisms in which we can express love and express joy and express thankfulness. And so when we sing, we sing with thankfulness. We sing with joy. It, it, it don't matter if you sing well. Most of you don't. I hear you. I'm in the front here. I hear all, I'm like, man, this is a bunch of cows singing behind me. I don't know. It's like, but you know what? That's why you're not on stage. We put the people who know how to sing on stage. Everyone else just sings loudly and we drown it out with good sounds. That's what we do. <laughs> it didn't say singing with, uh, with quality. It says singing with thanksgiving. That's the point. And uh, you show me a singing church, I'll show you a joyful and thankful church. So if you're sitting with a frown, but a beautiful name it is, the name. Yeah, don't, just don't sing then. Because it, it, if there's not thankfulness in your heart, one of the expressions of a joyful people are singing. And, and one of the things I love about this church is you are a singing church. 
And I wanna see that continue. I would love for visitors to come and think, wow, they're a bunch of weirdos, but they're happy, joyful, thanksful people. That would be great. I don't care if they think we're weird, but I want them to know that we have joy and thanksgiving. And that is just one of our expressions. And, and just as a side note, pragmatically speaking, this is not necessarily biblical, but it is, it's, it's scientifically true. That Did you realize that singing in corporate settings actually helps fight anxiety and depression? Research shows it, right? It's one of, I think this is the way God's wired us up. He knows that we need each other and coming together and singing. And so it's one of the things that actually God has given us to fight sin and fight as the joy. That's why you shouldn't be watching church on Facebook live. You come with the people of God because we need each other. It's an, it's an important piece of what we do. Singing matters. Thankful people sing. Thankfulness leads to sing. I don't want us to miss Thanksgiving, right? It's constant. It brings growth. It's for our new position. It con- brings peace. All these things. It causes us to sing. One more, or two more actually. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now thanksgiving is tied to whatever you do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, right? Here's, here's what's cool. One of the ways in which you express thankfulness is in just doing what God's called you to do and doing it well and doing it for him. Right, and so let me illustrate it this way. God has given us gifts, he's given us talents, he's given us all these things. At Christmas, my, my two boys especially, they always want Legos. And they want these elaborate Lego sets. We always get them an elaborate Lego set. I give a kid a Lego set, if he says, thank you, dad, that's great, and then he puts it on the shelf, that's not really thankfulness. See, expressing thankfulness for that Lego set is opening that bad boy up sitting on the floor for 17 hours, which is about what it takes them, and building this thing and putting it together, and then what they do every time, and I love it, they finish this, you know, 3,000 piece thing, and then they bring it to me and say, look, look at this. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. We'll take a picture of it, and we'll put it in the room on a shelf, whatever. But see, that's thank. That's thankfulness, using it, building it, and then delighting in it and saying, look what I've done with what you've given me. That's true thankfulness. And there's enjoyment and delight in that. And so I want you to see that thankfulness, the way you proclaim him, is enjoying what he's given you. Enjoying his, his good gifts. He, he's wired you up this way to be, to be business guy and you're able to delight in that and see how he can, you know, you can be strategic in this and cause commerce here and make a city better and you can ultimately do that for him and you delight in that, that is the thankfulness. That, that we proclaim him. You're athletic and you have some gifts in sports and you're a good teammate and you don't yell at the refs and you're respectful of your coaches. At the end of the game, you can shake hands, win or lose, and you do that for him. It's not just being Tim Tebow. Yeah, every time you score a touchdown, yeah. It's not that. That's fine. But true thankfulness is just doing what God's called you to do, enjoying it and giving him the glory. He's wired you up creativity because God is a creative God, or your intellect, whatever it is you do, when you do it for the Lord, it is a way to express thankfulness. That's, that's awesome. It's a way you proclaim him, right? Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, or you're building a wing for, for a, a jet company, whether you're teaching, when you do it for him, it's a way to express thankfulness, right? And it's a way to bring delight. God is for your delight, 
And he wants you to enjoy his good gifts as long as you're recognizing the giver of the gift, right? Don't miss Thanksgiving. It's constant, it brings peace and growth, results in singing, we do it for our new, new position, we enjoy him in it, and the last one is this. Continue steadfast in prayer. He links it back to prayer again. Being watchful in it, we talked about this a few weeks ago, being alert, and then doing it with thanksgiving. So why is prayer and thanksgiving linked? Here's why I think. Because we have a God who hears, and we have a God who answers. And so when we pray, there should be thanksgiving with expectation. That you enter in, think about this, you are one of seven billion people in the world, right? Give or take a couple million. And yet God says, when you enter in my throne room, you have access to me through Christ, and I hear you. One out of seven billion. And not only do I hear you, I answer. And not only do I hear you and I answer, I want you to come. It's like a dad whose kids grow, come into the room and they jump on his lap. It brings him delight when his people come into his throne of grace. And we should come with expectation that God hears and that God moves. This is why James says, don't pray if you don't pray with faith. Because you're, you're, it's an insult. It's an insult for you to walk in to the throne of God, the sovereign of the universe, and say, and pray something and not actually believe that he can or will do it. It is an insult. So you come with expectation. That doesn't mean he's gonna give you everything you want. And sometimes there's frustration because, God, I, I feel like oh, you don't hear me. Here's, here's what Paul reminds us. He hears and he moves. Maybe not according to your will, but according to your good in the end. And we can be thankful. Sometimes that God says yes to things and thankful that sometimes God says no to things because he knew that down the road this would not be good for you or he knew that this is what you need. He knew that Paul, you think Paul wanted to be in prison? Paul don't wanna be in prison. Nobody wants to be in prison. Not even in Monopoly you wanna be in prison. Not even if you're just visiting, right? No one wants to be in prison. You don't think Paul said, please, Lord, get me out of here, get me out of here. He does. At the end of this book, remember, he says, remember my chains. Right? So he doesn't want to be there. But if Paul is not in prison, we don't get Philippians, we don't get Ephesians, we don't get Colossians, we don't get eventually 2 Timothy, we don't get Philemon. So God knows, yes, I know this stinks for you, but for the good of everyone else, this is good. Right? And that's what God does sometimes. And we don't see it on this side of heaven, but we will when we get our inheritance. When you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want us to miss Thanksgiving. It should be constant. It brings peace. It brings growth. We thank God for our new position, our new family. It brings enjoyment and delight. There's expectation in prayer. It causes us to sing, which we're gonna have an opportunity to do in a minute. And we're also gonna remember the table this morning and we're gonna move in that direction and you know it's interesting that Paul when he talks about the table he says uh, this we do this and when we do this we proclaim him until he comes and so we're gonna have as a church an opportunity to remember and to be thankful right and so we have uh, some folks that are gonna hand out 
these elements in a few minutes. Just if, you're, if you haven't been paying attention, listen to this because you'll, you'll miss it. They're gonna hand out the elements. I want you to hold on to them because sometimes we'll do it. We'll just take it as it comes by. Today, I want you to hold it. I want our, our praise team is gonna come up. They're gonna sing a song. You can sing along with them. You can just follow along with the words. I want you to just spend a few moments thanking God for his blessings. Maybe this is a time that you thank him that you have been cleansed, that you have been washed, that you have been reconciled, that you have been redeemed, that he chose you because no one else would, but he chose you. And you can just spend some time reflecting on that, that he made you one with himself. Why? By giving of himself. He laid down his life, and we picture that with the body of Christ, which you will hold in this bread, and with the blood poured out for the shedding of uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And so we're gonna remember. So hold it for a few moments, and then I will come back up after the first song, and we'll take it together as a, as a body as a family. So if, if you take it early, you're gonna have to be faking it. You're gonna be like, oh man, I took it early and everyone else is not taking it. So you're gonna be faking it and we'll know, all right? So just hold it for a few moments and reflect. I will say this, if you're visiting and you are uh, not a member of this church, but you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to take uh, and celebrate with us. We are one. You may be First Baptist of whatever. You may be First Pres or whatever, but we are one in Christ if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, we just ask you to let the, let the table pass um, because these are just crackers and juice for you. And that's fine, right? We, 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 this is for those who have put their faith in Christ. They have repented of their sins. They are putting their hope in what Jesus has done. And if you haven't done this, you don't have, you don't have to celebrate. It, it's, it's, it doesn't mean anything. What we would rather you do is, is contemplate and think about, man, do I know God? Do I know for certain that today if I die that I would spend eternity with him? Are my sins forgiven? Do I have an inheritance? Do I have a hope? And if you don't, man, we would love to talk to you about that. Right? We would love to, to tell you and introduce you to this savior who loved you, who, who came to earth, who died on a cross for your sins and rose again and how you can know him and have life in him. But this is a time for us to give thanks. So spend some time reflecting, repenting of sin. Don't come to the table uh, with, with unrepentant, hardened heart, right? Come in humility, knowing that you have a God who says, you're accepting is what I have done. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let me pray and then we'll do that. Father, I ask, as we just kind of reflect on your son's work at Calvary for us, that it would stir up thanksgiving, even for those this morning, Father, who really can't find anything else to be thankful for. And I get it, I hear that. I, uh, I pray for that, that individual especially. They've suffered great loss or they just have chaos in their life or in their soul, that you would uh, give them hope and show them that they are loved and cared for in Christ. That we be a church that proclaim you in our thankfulness. It would be evident that people would see it. We pray these things for the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.